Welcome to episode 14 of Digital Digital Get Down. We're your normal hosts, Heather and Bennett. Hi. And we have, back by popular demands... <laughs> She's recurring. Our <laughs> special guest, our recurring guest now, our wonderful Australian friend, Jen. You! Hi, guys. <laughs> You're supposed to do... Cooey. <laughs> <laughs> do you get born with that skill, or do you get taught it in primary school, or... Ah, uh, you get taught it in the cradle. It's kind of... Okay. It's one of those things you absorb. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, this is a very special episode. Mm. This is our Farewell to Australia episode. This yep. is it. This Devo. will be our... They don't know what that means. It means Devo. devastated. <laughs> um, this will be the last episode we we record in Australia. Mm-hmm. We'll be going back to the US in a couple weeks. So, we'll be taking a brief hiatus. Yes. While we uh, get our shit together. Well, we have to explain everything. the whole story. We're now... The whole story. We're now mm-hmm. making okay. enough money off of this podcast that we're doing <laughs> it full time. From our, our studio in LA. Yes. <laughs> not true. Okay. Um, not even a little bit true. So <sighs> we will be back in the US in a couple weeks. We'll be mm-hmm. back on American soil. Until then, we'll be doing a bit more traveling, packing up, saying goodbye to our lovely friends here. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, taking a little bit of a break. I have a feeling this is going to be a long podcast, so hopefully this will sustain you for the next few weeks. Sure. And we'll be back from our brand new studio in Minnesota. That's in right. the next couple weeks. Not Wisconsin. Not Wisconsin. Yeah. Common yeah. misconception. I really should have just been carrying around a paper map with me the past couple weeks as I'm telling people where I'm going. Mm. I'm like, oh, Minnesota. Like, mm. I'm like, it's kind of <laughs> near Chicago. And they're like, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's a place. Yeah. And then I, yeah, they're like, I've heard of Which Chicago. Which TV show is it from? Everyone thinks everyone Fargo. Thinks yeah, Fargo. so everyone thinks, everyone's being actually genuinely worried for your yes. safety. People yes. from my office, yeah, they think immediately you land in the airport and they just begin shooting you right yes. after that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then there's no health insurance to stop the bleeding. So. Right. But, yeah. Exactly. It's about where we're, where we're at. So we'll have a little bit of an intro, I suppose. Yeah, I'm going sober this week. I'm, <laughs> I'm about 14 hours sober right now. So. <laughs> and you told me last night you were never, ever, ever drinking again, and I was to never let you drink again. Well, okay. So I've held up mine in the bargain so far. <laughs> okay. Well, Jen's taking your place for today with the wine consumption. Yeah, I'm on a nice Moscato. Yes, we're drinking a Moscato, a Banrock Station Moscato. It's pretty good. It's kind it of is. a dessert um, wine for tonight. I like to pretend I don't like sweet wines, but then I drink them, and I drink them like they're cordials. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nobody knows what that is either. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, so we'll just have an index, a glossary. Of I know. <laughs> we'll just have to put like a little closed caption kind mm-hmm. of thing, and it's like, that means this. Every time you say something. Um... Just a couple updates from previous weeks. I know my complaints one time before about how everyone's obsessed with Barb from Stranger Things. Oh, I was going to save that for my bad news. Oh. I assumed you had a long range okay, about it. Okay, okay. No, I'll let you save that then. Okay. Do you know what's beautiful? We've never discussed Stranger Things, but mm. already you're in line with my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, I won't step on your toes there. Okay. And the other update, yeah. my cousin Jen, our biggest fan, Andrew, yep. his wife Jen. Shut up. Um has told me what book series I was trying to describe like 10 episodes ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, You were laughing at me. I was talking about a book series about like a, like a hidden child thing where you're like only allowed to have one kid and you're like, that's China. China. Yeah. Yeah. It's called among the hidden. 
it is a real book series that I read in primary school. Uh-huh. And my cousin Jen is the children's librarian, and she like oh, she solved that mystery for us. Okay. And I feel a little bit better because you didn't believe me that it was a real book series. I don't feel much better about this. Whatever. <laughs> um, this is not going to make you feel better either. <sighs> I saw Spider Man Homecoming this week. Oh, really? <laughs> 14 hours sober that last week. <laughs> Um, I didn't tell you I saw it. No, no, no. How'd it go? It was really good. Oh, oh shit. It was cute. Um, it was cute. Elizabeth, so many shout outs so far. Elizabeth forced me to see it basically. So I went with some friends from work here. It was really cute. It was a very good balance. It's cute. It, it was an actual. You know, in the way that superhero movies are. No, adorable. it was an actual, like, <laughs> high school movie. It wasn't like okay. Tobey Maguire being 30 and trying to pretend like he was 16. Yeah. Like, Tom Holland actually looks like he could be in high school. Yeah. It did a very good job of balancing, like, the high school plots with, like, the superhero plots. Okay. And, like, making it in the Marvel Universe without making it, like, uh, Avengers Part 17 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm. I have like I have a whole podcast worth of thoughts basically about it. Wow. It's worth seeing. It's okay. really cute. It's I wish they hadn't made the other Spider Man movies and just had made this one instead. They should have just made the tagline for the movie. Tom Super Holland cute. is just, Tom Holland is just really adorable. Yeah. And his friends, like they actually feel like they're in high school. It's a proper high school plot. Well that's And I like it. Yeah. Um and there was a twist that I like should have seen coming because every superhero movie is the same. I was blown away. I did not see it coming. Mm. I spent the second half of the movie with my face on my hands, like, just going, oh my god, because I didn't know what was going to happen. I'm intrigued. So, if you get a chance to see it, I would recommend it. I know you're not going to see it. So, Andrew Garfield had two runs at it, and that's it? Yeah, they just kind of, that just faded. That that one ever happened? Mm. Um, This one's really cute. I liked it. Um, I would recommend it, actually. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I would recommend it. Mm -hmm. I just, I wonder, you know, how they have, they have to keep remaking these movies, the boys, They've already recently been remade. Like Batman, for example, you have the Nolan Batman. Yeah. And now there's the Ben Ben Affleck Affleck. travesties. Yeah. And I just saw he wrote a script for the next one when they they chucked it. it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When will he learn? I don't know. Um, He should have stopped at Goodwill Hunting. He peaked there. Right. Can't they just take the one that's been recently done and then do like a really bad editing job and just splice in bits with, you know. Thor just coming yeah, in just with chuck the it lightning. In there. Chuck it in there. Well, the problem is, like, those weren't actually... They a lot of money. And the same know. amount of people would see them, to be honest. <laughs> That's true. So, anyways, I really liked this one. I have yeah. a lot of feelings about it. Ask me about it sometime if you want me to. I won't bore <laughs> the rest of you with the details. Um, but I liked it. Cool. Just one other thing I want to talk about. We talked about Dear White People on one of the previous ones as well. Yeah. Have you watched any of it? It's on Netflix. No, I did see a trailer for it months and months ago when it was, I think, being first promoted. It looked pretty good. I watched, um, you said it made you uncomfortable because you're too white. <laughs> yeah. I watched the first two and I was like, mm, it's a little bit too scripted. I don't know how I feel about this. I watched a couple more the other day and I got to episode five. And I don't care, like, who you are. I don't care what you've been doing. I don't care what you're doing right now. Like, stop what you're doing and go watch episode five. Okay. If you have ever, like, thought, I don't really get Black Lives Matter and I don't really get, like, the police brutality kind of thing. I don't yeah. get it. Mm-hmm. Watch that episode. It was amazing. Okay. So it's, like, set in a college and it basically follows primarily these black college students mm. at a liberal arts college. So there's kind of this little microcosm of, of black college students in a pre- predominantly white college. Mm-hmm. And um, in this episode, they're following this one guy, Reggie, who's a black student there. And at the end of this episode, like the climax of the episode, he goes to this party and they're just like, everyone's hanging out together, whatever. And then a song comes on that they're all singing to and has the N word in it. So Mm -hmm. he gets in a discussion about this guy who he was like, you know, 
a partner within a trivia contest just before. Like, they were really friendly. And just says, hey, man, I I don't want you to say that word. Yeah. Please don't say that word. And the guy's like, I'm not racist. Why shouldn't I be able to say that word? (laughs) And Reggie's like, I'm telling you, it makes me uncomfortable. That should be enough for you, you know? So they get in this dispute about it, and he's like, dude, this is, like, the white frat guy's like, dude, this is my house. Why are you coming in here, like, making accusations at me? They get in a bit of, like, a tussle over it. Yeah. And the cops show up. And the cops come over, pull Reggie off of the white frat guy, ignore the white guy who was throwing the punch when the cops walked yeah. in, and ask for Reggie's college ID. Mm-hmm. And the, even though even the guy he was fighting he was fighting with is like, no, he's a student here. Like I invited him. Yeah, this is yeah. my house. The cops pull the gun on the black kid. Yeah. Like at a college, like on a college campus, at a party full of students, pull the gun on the black kid, mm-hmm. and like it's this like really really tense horrifying moment. Yeah. And it's such a good representation really well done just kind of like mini like mini episode or mini snapshot yeah just kind of like a a snapshot of how this really happened because I think you see it in the news Mm. and it gets very radicalized and portrayed sensationalized and then this was just a really well done version of that episode because you're like oh the climax is just gonna be gonna be them fighting about the n-word and then the cops show up and out of the two of them who are both fighting equally yeah. At the same party, the same students, they're both in the same level, same grade. Well, the, I, the gun gets trained on the black guy, and no one else needs to show their ID. They only ask for the ID of the black guy and don't believe and that he's a student. That's how situations like that happen. I mean, I don't know if you've been around, like, in a club or anything like that when something's gone down, but one second. If you could see her in her sweater and glasses <laughs> and, like, high bun right now. I'm so straight. <laughs> oh um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm from Perth, guys. Don't bitch. <laughs> um, but it happens suddenly. It goes from normal to, holy shit, where did that come from? And that's exactly yeah. what happened. Like, the cop was like, can I see your ID? And he was like, why do you need to see my ID and not the other guy's? And gun comes out. Everyone freaks. Like, yeah. And it was just, it was a really interesting shift from like, oh, why, why can't I say the N-word to, oh, shit, this is why. This is why. This is why. This is the, the, the white privilege. This is the difference. Yeah. Nobody questioned if the white guy was a student, yeah. if he was the one instigating the violence, if mm-hmm. he needed to show his ID, nothing. Yeah. Like, gun trained on the black guy. Yeah. And it was, I was, like, shaking. It was it was really, really, really well done. So, I don't care if you watch the rest of the show. You don't need to watch any of the rest of it? No, not really. It, yeah. um, you might not, like, quite know some of the other people that are, like, side characters yeah, in it. Yeah, it's not the main but it's, plot, though. Yeah. Uh, they basically have, each episode is focused focuses on a different character within the same couple weeks of Mm -hmm. goings on at this university so episode five give it a watch yeah for sure we'll do like i said a few weeks ago for white people out there what i learned from memorizing my nelly lyrics just sub in the word dude i love (laughs) (laughs) i did many a middle school dance i did all i can do all of ride with Mm -hmm. me still and you just you just work your way through it okay that's a good tip Mm. hot tip um on a less sobering note, would you like to tell us about the Tour de France, Jen? How's that been going? It's, uh, it's your favorite time of year, I thought. Mm. It is my favorite time of year, and I feel like I'm betraying myself and everything I stand for because I haven't actually <laughs> been watching it as religiously as... Mm. I know, I mean, we're well into... I think we're just out of the mountain stage, and I have <laughs> only watched a couple of, uh, of a couple of the races, and it's because... Uh, What's your excuse? For impact... Um, She's so, blaming the media. Yeah, so I'm pissed, basically, <laughs> because traditionally you have Phil Liggett and Paul Sherwin, who are the commentators of the Tour de France. And of course. I'm, you know, they're the British broadcasters and SBS, which is, what's the American equivalent? Oh, God, like there NBC is no, or something? Are you sure? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, I think that's where they have the Tour de France. Yeah, uh, like they have 
international television shows. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, right. Um, so they're the broadcasters, normally really good, and they have been kind of gradually introducing the Australian sports uh, commentators, but still having Phil Liggett and Paul Sherman right at the very end for yeah. the climax of the race. And this year, they've totally, they've gotten rid of both of them, and they've got a couple of Australian guys. One of them is an ex-cyclist, and I just can't, mm. I can't fucking handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. Every Australian sports commentator is a moron, especially... They really are, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not just me. No, watching the Olympics from here was Holy atrocious. Shit. The Australian thing. Open, we have, awful. Uh, we have Wimbledon on in the background right now, and they're doing the same thing where they're having Australians, you know, they're yeah. commenting, and it's just not... They just talk absolute bollocks <laughs> in between actual... And, you know, the Tour de France is a long thing. You need to have intelligent things to say yeah, in between. Yeah, you need to fill that space. The shit filler. that comes out of their mouths. I And I'm like, one of you has actually ridden the Tour de France. Yeah. yeah. How can you have nothing Have intelligent more? commentary. And that's not even to touch on the mangling of the French place names. Like, oh. it's just... Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. My favourite one from the Australian Open, I think, was one of them just... It was, like, awkward silence and one of them just going, that guy looks like he cycles. Do you think he's a cyclist? Yeah, they're just... And the other guy was like, you know, I'm not sure. And that was the entire <laughs> conversation. paid for this job? Yeah. Yeah. A lot more than I make, probably. Oh. oh. <laughs> oh. But once, also, my yeah. favourites have been, sorry, injured or disqualified, <laughs> so I'm kind of like... <laughs> Who's left? A little bit bitter. Yeah, I'm a little bitter. Just a, Just bit. a little. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, with that intro. Yeah. Uh, should we go into good Wrong, news, yeah. bad news? Sure. We're actually gonna include Jen, we're gonna let her play Ooh. in this podcast. Go for it. Um you gotta see this this song. Good news, bad news. It's time for Jen's debut. How are you supposed to say oh, If you've ever heard an Australian sports commentator try to say the word debut, <laughs> it'll turn you off very Are you ready? Weird. Are you ready? Debut. Oh. Yes, there we go. It's <laughs> awful. That, you're right. That's my least favorite thing about Aussie sports it's commentators is debut. It really is. Debut. Oh, man. All right. So, what's your good news, Jen? You're in Jen? the hot seat. Go. Good news is that the Juno probe has got new images of the... Uh, big eye of the storm in Jupiter. So mm. they've only been able to see uh, f- further away bits and yeah. now they can see it up close and they um, they can have a look at the weather patterns because apparently they've been observing Jupiter since, um, help me out here, like, good 200 years. Yeah, so they have yeah. actual like telescope um, records and stuff of it mm. since like the 1800s, but they actually have like um, written and verbal... Not verbal accounts, but like yeah, written yeah, accounts yeah, written from accounts. even earlier, like 1650, 1700. Yeah, yeah, it's So, and they they also remarked that there was a big red spot on Jupiter. So they yeah. think it's it's definitely 200 years old. This storm that's raging on Jupiter mm-hmm. could be up to like 300, 350 years old. Yeah, and we were reading the news article, and my brother just kind of quietly whispered, "He's like, what happens if they actually do find aliens there?" And <laughs> I was like, "I don't know. This, I don't know. Students could go either way. Yeah, at this stage, I'm really keen." Please be aliens. They'd be really impressive aliens if they could live inside a cyclone, inside a hurricane that's well, been exactly. raging for three hundred years. Wait, is Jupiter years. all gas though? Yeah, but gas how do you know it doesn't have a gas creature living inside the gas? So there's no actual mm. surface mm. except until like the core. There, it has a solid core, mm. I believe, it's but like then the rest of it's gas. Episode of classic Star Trek where Spock discovers the silicon rock monster. Yes, I've actually seen that one. Look at right. me. Right there, you go. And then Bones patches I'm, it up with like concrete. I'm surrounded or by geeks. Good lord. <laughs> and you married one. Like, Get used to it. Exactly. They're like, well, how do we know what, what life is, Spock? Yeah. There you go. It's topical. So, yeah, that's really cool. It's been sending yeah. some cool images. It has. I'll put that on the Twitter if I remember. 
Well, Heather, you're uh, you're becoming a space expert. You now run the planetarium. Yeah, yeah, I did that like four times, and now I've left that job. So I'm <laughs> that's fine. It's on the re- I know how to push the button to make the picture of Jupiter come up on the planetarium. <laughs> I know where to find it tonight in the night sky in the southern hemisphere. There you go. Do they have so. a NASA office in a not, in a not Wisconsin? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> not that I know of. Dang. In a not Wisconsin. That's where I'm moving to. Apparently, it's not Wisconsin. Not Wisconsin. I like it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, should I go to my good news? Yeah, that's end of your good go news. For it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have oh, yeah. two small good news. Is this good news? Is do we ever figure that news out? What's the plural of news? News. Okay, it is just news, like moose and moose. Okay. Um, that was a bad example to use for an Australian. I'm sorry. Sheep, sheep, and sheep. Sheep and sheep. Um, I had a lot of a little good news this week. Last week I had like no news at all because yeah. of Fourth of July, and now I had a lot. I'm gonna pick these two. Okay. Number one. Billy on the Street got an Emmy nomination. Really? Yes. In for what best category? variety or sketch show. Okay. Billy on the Street. Boop. Um, so I was excited about that. Have you ever seen any Billy on the Street? No. Okay, we'll watch that. We'll Do watch a, a couple episodes after. Okay, okay. It's um Billy Eichner, who is uh, kind of a ludicrous a male comedian. Mm-hmm. And his he has this little sketch show that I think started as like a YouTube series. Right. Um and he just literally runs around the streets of New York, actually running, like mm-hmm. physically mm-hmm. sprinting with, with a, a cameraman and a microphone and just mm-hmm. goes up to people and says, For a dollar, and then just asks them a like ridiculous <laughs> question. Cool. Um, and then he started having celebrities that would come with him. So one of them was like, would you fuck Paul Rudd? And he had Paul Rudd run around with him and said, for a dollar, would you fuck Paul Rudd? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm the best ones are when response. he asked people if they know the person standing right next yes. to them and they have no idea. One of them was, one of the funny or recent ones was, do gay people care about John Oliver? And he just ran around going, excuse me, sir, are you gay? Do you care about John Oliver? And John Oliver standing next to him. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Oh, wow. So he usually just embarrasses people in yeah. front of them. And um, it's it's great. It's good that fun. sounds yeah. Let's yeah. do it. So it's a very silly YouTube series it's now on like Spike TV or some yeah. True TV. Yeah, one some, of those some, made like, up weird channels. channel. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was also on Parks and Rec. He was a uh-huh. character in one of the later seasons of Parks and Rec as well. Kind of a similar over the top character. Yeah. Um, but we've enjoyed his videos for a long time, mm-hmm. and I was excited that he got an Emmy nomination because I. Did not think that was even possible, right? <laughs> so Carrie Fisher also got one. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, my other small good news, um, mostly is just that Michelle Obama exists. Mm. Um, any day, I suppose that could be my good news. But the f- previous White House photographer is publishing a photo collection oh, of I just Michelle that. Obama. And I'm going to need that for Christmas. Thanks. Oh, I thought it was both of them. It's just about her? I think so. Oh. Michelle Obama photo collection on the way from former White House photographer. Okay, another coffee table book. Yeah. Excellent. So I, that's my good news is that Michelle Obama still exists and is still classy as still ever. Still being her. And yeah. I would like her coffee table book. Thanks. Got it. Do you have good news? Um, sure. <laughs> well, uh, Do you want one of mine? Uh, well, I was going to say good <laughs> news. So many. Take I was going to say good news. Just looking at the Emmy stuff, that the leftovers did not get nominated for yeah. best series. So you I know, feel somewhat validated. You by know, what else did not get nominated. Uh, what? Thirteen Reasons Why. Okay. Also mm-hmm. good. That's a throwback to another yeah. podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was. I was glad that. And then I saw an article being like, "Why didn't the Gilmore Girls revival get one?" Like, <laughs> fucking kidding me. Oh. <laughs> The yeah. amount of times I try to watch that shit. I can't. It's just I can't garbage. deal with Rory. I can't deal with what's her face. She oh. is so obnoxious. She has no like 
Oh, it just no redeeming characteristics. She's annoying voice and annoying character, and I don't like her. If you're gonna do that, then do Costanza or something. Like make it the thing. Yeah, make it Seinfeldy or I don't don't just make it like real timidy and awkward. Yeah, terrible. Um, that's your good news? Yeah. Mm. Let's All roll right. with that. And we can stick with, with bad news. Let's go straight. Let me hear your Barb rant. My, oh. Um, I don't even have that much of a rant. I, I just, thought it was a joke when I saw the same. headline. I just thought, and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That was my reaction. And then I was like, I'm not even going to read this article because I'm going to get too angry and I'm going to drop my phone. Yeah. I mm-hmm. resisted Stranger Things for the longest time. Did you time. end up watching it? Yeah, I did. For because my friend Jeanette time. and my brother fucking made me watch it. <laughs> <laughs> held me hostage Brothers, man. until I watched it. And they got really annoyed with me because they both really enjoyed it and they were both really, like, they found it edge of your seat, scary, mm. creepy. And my point was I don't want to watch it because I pretty much think I know exactly what happens because the amount of just, like, the ads you get and yeah. trailers for things, yeah. you don't need to see the damn thing. That's, I already know what that's happens. That's your rant, too. Mm. That, that. Right? Totally anticlimactic. So when I watched it, I didn't jump and they jumped and they got angry at me for it. And I was like, (laughs) fuck you guys. And then I also saw all this shit about like all the memes, Tumblr, rah, 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 how amazing Barb is. And I saw it and I was like, she's in it for 10 minutes. She is only in like two episodes, correct? And she's just the cock block as well. And then she just, well, she's the sensible friend. Her friend has been in it. But yeah, then she just gets eaten in a pool and then it's over. Oh, she has this face that I'm pulling right now, which is Yeah, you could be Barb. I mean, you'd be better oh, job. I could. Her. No, oh, she okay. made the face good. Yeah, okay. I could. I'm saying could. she made the good like face, and that's the only yeah. thing she does is make that I face. I can disapprove the shit out of people. <laughs> well, yeah, I was just shocked that guest actor was a category. Lin Manuel got nominated as well for SNL. Lin Manuel Miranda. That, okay. Like they're gonna like it equals the same Emmy as like someone winning best actor. Yeah. And oh. yeah, was this actress? I don't know. How did I she blow anyone away guys. with that face? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So that uh, I was. Hype. Uh, yeah, like we liked the show actually. We enjoyed it, but we did watch it like pretty quickly and like didn't get too yeah, spoiled by it. And there wasn't too much of like the clickbait headlines yeah, by the time yeah. we watched it. it felt but like yeah, it was just, two years old to me. I didn't so even think it was still in this year's cycle. Oh, no, it's coming out. They were just Season published two. another trailer for the. Isn't it coming out in October? It's like pretty soon. Sometime soon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Is that your bad news? Yeah. What's your bad news? My I once again have two. One very mm. small one. Rafa lost. Yeah, I, I tuned back into tennis when I haven't even been watching it's it. The for year months. of Roger. You have to give in. Whatever. Haven't he even been watching it. Amazing. A gazelle. Rafa lost. A gazelle. Rafa lost in the so last right. set was two and a half hours. <laughs> That's really mean. Maybe you like actually a pet watched rat. it. You've watched more Wimbledon than I have this. Yeah. This Fortnite. <laughs> Anyways, um, it was also very late at night. The yeah. timing yeah. is really shitty. Like the Tour de France, I see. Yeah, that's another. Yeah, tennis is tough because, like, back home in the U.S., if they want to watch the Australian Open here, it's like two a.m. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm. And I feel like here they're not very good about showing it. I guess they'll probably show it again tomorrow. But no, I think in the U.S., they do. I think in the just... U.S., they're pretty good about putting it on like prime time. And here yeah. they're kind of just like, well, people will watch if they want to. Yeah. I think we can add it to the list of why Australia should be shunted close closer to the states, so yeah. I can visit you better, easier. Yeah. And then you haven't got as much of a time gap. Exactly. I like it. Um, my real bad news, this one I have more of a rant. This is more upsetting than Barb. Mm-hmm. So, supposedly, uh, Betsy DeVos, the yeah. Trump education like secretary. Sure. I'm sure I've um, seen her. She's yeah. awful. She has like literally no experience bears. at all. She thinks we should have guns in schools in case of grizzly bears. She actually said that. That's a quote. <laughs> um, she's um. supposedly meeting with men's rights groups about campus rapes. Okay, yeah, that seems legit. And uh, Trump's, like, education department has come out saying that 
they found that 90% of college rapes fall, fall under the we were both drunk category. Hmm. Oh, I, just, I can't. Oh I don't even God. know if I have enough words for this on this. I just can't even. I can understand how people can debate about healthcare to some extent. I can understand to some extent how people cannot understand climate change. Mm-hmm. I do not understand how people don't understand what rape is. Like consent. Like if you're both drunk, neither of you are consenting. If yeah. a girl is drunk, just because you're also drunk does not mean there's consent there. Yeah. And it's, it is I just genuinely can't. black and white. And yeah. How, this rape no bad, argument. not rape good. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, where is the gray area? There is no gray, area. gray area. And the fact that they're meeting with men's rights group about how to protect men from like rape accusations. Yeah. There's also a mother's group that was like. I don't even know what the name was. I'm not going to make it up because I'll probably be offensive. But it was the mothers of a male students who had been accused of rape. Right. And they were banding together to try and protect their sons. It kind of reminds me of um, recently the trial where the Hazers have been charged with a number of accounts uh, that led to the murder of a, like a, what are they called? Freshmen? Yeah. The new kids? Yeah, some uh, college in the States, the hazing rituals actually led to the death of a student, and they've got all these, mm. like, Oh, the one who got really dozen. drunk, and he fell in the stairs, yeah, and, yeah, they, and And I, they let like, him... I, felt sick reading that. The, the, yeah, um, he was badly injured for hours, and they didn't do anything. Yeah, because they were afraid of getting in trouble for yeah. alcohol. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, the, the shit you can get away with on college campuses just because they're like, oh, boys will be boys, kids will drink, whatever. And, yeah, and I don't get it, because... I mean, sure, you have colleges where you live in Australia and you do party and everything, but otherwise you go to uni to go to uni. Yeah. Well, you don't, like, also don't have the frat culture here, like the no. Greek culture, um, where it's just ridiculous and the hazing and the drinking and all of that. It's like, just, it's not. I, I, I you can also drink on. at 18 here. Right. So it totally changes it. It changes the dynamic. Everyone out there just needs to take a lesson from me. No more alcohol. No more alcohol. <laughs> 14 hours sober. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's just ridiculous, and mm-hmm. I just think that Especially the way they portray it. Like, I'm, I know I talked about this last week too, but like the Stanford rape case where it was like swimmer accused of whatever, like, like award winning swimming swimmer. Like, we don't want to punish him too much because of his potential swimming career. Yeah, because you can get it's something like, are you out fucking of it? kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like, he ruined a girl's life, like, left her badly injured and raped behind a dumpster, mm. and you're worried about like his next swim race. And, and sure, if you're concerned about false accusations, then investigate. Yeah. Then have proper rape kits and sure. have have proper procedures for how to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, have a process like yeah. you do with every other crime that you can yeah. be accused of. Yeah, just because you don't want to believe the women that are telling you how prevalent rape is, and men, just because you don't want to believe the prevalence of rape does not mm-hmm. mean that they're not being truthful. That's it. So, that's my real bad news is, are Ooh. you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Can we let Jen give us some Australian <laughs> yeah. culture now? Well, I've got, well, I've got my briefly, my... Yeah, yeah, no, this is what I mean. I'm yeah, excited yeah. for your news, yeah. So my bad news is I've got written down here, Perth meth hole. <laughs> <laughs> so I was tossing up whether or not this is good or bad news because I always get tickled by uh, Perth's bad rap in the press. So just for some background for our listeners out there, Jen here is originally from Perth, which is in WA, which is, yeah, it is um, the-, the smallest, saddest capital city of Australia of anywhere <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's I, I think it's it's something okay we always like to quote bullshit facts about Perth and our state so apparently Perth is the most isolated capital city in the world which mm. I frankly think is crap like there must be driving more. distance maybe. I mean right. yeah sure 
Whatever. I think it's the the thing is actually like the next biggest city over ten thousand people or something is the furthest away. Right. Like, there's some arbitrary like yeah, distinction. Mm. It's known as Dullsville because there's fuck all to do there. <laughs> Um, and it's basically full of bogans, uh, which for you... That means rednecks. So, kind of, yeah. rednecks, but but Australian rednecks, yeah. so a little bit, yeah. Um, and so, The Sun, a, a British publication, has um, <laughs> published a map and a description of, I think it's like top seven or eight or nine most crime-ridden, dangerous cities in the world. You've got St. Louis, hmm. uh, Rakar, San Pedro Sula, Naples... And ladies and gentlemen, per yes, you made it. You made the cut. I know we made the cut. So there's, you know, we can add that to under our belts. Really, the worst thing that happens in Perth is no. Okay, there's a lot of bad things that happen in Perth. <laughs> well, you worked at a uh, souvenir shop, so what kind of shady shit went on? Well, in it was the like downtown, back room? right? Well, it wasn't so much the back room. It's more the fact that we were across Sad the road from a TAB and a sex shop. So hmm. I saw some stuff. I once saw a lady pissing in the gutter while she's being cautioned by the police. <laughs> uh, one of my co-workers had a woman piss on the front mat in front of him, and he had to deal with that. So a lot uh, of public urination. A lot of public urination. <laughs> Probably fueled by drug use. Yeah. Ice. The, look, the reason why we got on the map is because it's actually seriously a really bad um, methamphetamine problem in Perth and in many regional areas of Australia. I love that Perth is kind of regional. Yeah. Um... So that's why I got on there, but it's still like you've got all these war torn places in yeah. Perth. Yeah. Yeah. So irony. I, oh. I thought your bad news was going to be that thing that came out about the um, the newspaper. I forget which shitty Aussie newspaper it was that equated so being many. LG. LGBT to being uh, unhealthy. That's I'm what I thought your bad news was going to be. I know. I actually think it was. To, to try and be a bit optimistic, I think it was just a poorly placed because at the begin at the top it also said like percentage of teams that lived in New South Wales. So I think there is a small chance that it was actually just meant to be categorizing yes. them. Still Either way, uh, basically it was like talking about unhealthy habits of Australian teenagers, and it was talking about like binge drinking and smoking, and then it equated then liking the members attraction. of the same sex. Yeah. Mm. Like, so, within the same category, in the same chart. Highly questionable. And I, I like to think that Australia as a whole, as a collective, is not too is not that bad. Like, not yeah. that... Not that it's perfect. There's a lot of issues, but... There's lots of issues. Genuine, we still don't have um, gay marriage in right. this country, which is Just crazy, because you're way more tolerant and have way more rights for um, gay people in general, but right. don't have the gay but marriage. But that's kind of an excuse as well. Why not? Yeah, I guess. You know? Like, um, why do you need it? Or, I don't know. Right. But yeah, so I was, I kind of, I've been ignoring that mentally all week, yeah. seeing that. I do have like a little bit of quick good news, uh, mm-hmm. funny news for things that I saw on public Tell transport me. this week. <laughs> and again, I have written down Kermit, lasagna, and quesarata. <laughs> so <clears throat> last week I was standing on my tram waiting to get to work and I happened to peer over the shoulder of the guy sitting in front of me. <laughs> he spent, I timed it, four <laughs> minutes. Staring at a picture of lasagna on his Instagram newsfeed, and I was like, "Fucking same guy, same." What a it was like nine forty-five in the morning. Like a like, recipe, or just a, like a photo, a like food porn, lasagna. like straight up food porn. Just didn't move off this picture, and it, yeah, he was staring at it. That's amazing. Kesarasara. Uh, a few days later, again, my morning route on the tram into the city. 
Her life is wild, Jen. (laughs) Such a wild existence. Um, Around about the same time, and this guy gets on, headphones fucking blasting, so I can hear the sound. Um, Sits down behind me. He's got piercings, tattoos. He's he's got, like, band shirts on. Yeah. Sits down and then skips the song he's listening to. It goes to the next one. It's Doris Day singing Points, points for the Monday morning. Nice. Um, and then the other day, Kinda. I was passing the state library stop, and there are like park benches just outside, and there was a. A uh, conservative-looking middle-aged businessman uh, kneeling down in front of the park bench very carefully with a look of solid concentration on his face, arranging a Kermit the Frog puppet <laughs> that was about 30 centimetres in height to have crossed legs and crossed arms. And I was like, that is commitment to a meme. <laughs> <laughs> that is... There you amazing. go. That's the public you transport You had a fun tra- public transport week. I do. I uh, took me over two hours to get home on Thursday. Because I think the, the more exciting story down. is that you lost a coat in the outdoors and you found it 24 hours My later. My regular life oh, could have been like that. So, yeah. bad news was that I was... It took me over two hours to get home, which mm-hmm. should take me less than an hour. Yeah. So, it took me like two hours and 15 minutes to get home because there was a miscellaneous computer failure and they just stopped all the trains. Most livable city in the world. Hey, yeah. hey. Um, and during the, like, uh, during me running hubbub. around. During, I was going to say hubbub, but you yelled at me for saying that last week. During the hubbub, hubbub of me trying to, like, sort my shit out and figure out how I was going to get home from work. I realized I lost the coat that I had shoved very haphazardly into the top of my bag, which was my fault. And I was, like, running around trying to both figure out the trains and also look for my coat and where I had dropped it. Yep. Um, and then I was like, fuck it, I need to get on the train. It's already been, like, 40 minutes since I've left work, and the train hasn't even got here yet. So I was just like, whatever, I'll get on the train. Next morning, I kind of had a look around for it, couldn't see it. Walked all the way to work, and just outside of work, someone had hung it up on the fence. So I must have dropped it, like, immediately after leaving work. Suburban angel. Suburban angel. I thought someone stole it, and that's why I was, hmm. like, excited. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We can use that as the segue, I suppose. (laughs) So we are focusing on some Australian classics. Mm -hmm. Um, We are first going to talk about Picnic at Hanging Rock. We have two very polar opposites of movies that we're going to be discussing today. Yeah, they were a good contrast. They were a good contrast, and I'm glad we watched Picnic at Hanging Rock first. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> would you like to give our summary, Jen? You were quite good at that last time. What's yeah, the Picnic at Hanging Rock summary? I was really good at that last time. <laughs> <laughs> I had just about the same amount of wine, so it should be equally good. Uh, so Picnic at Hanging Rock is set uh, early 1900s, I'd say, mm-hmm. uh, at a place near Hanging Rock, which is somewhere near Melbourne. And uh, big old girls' school run by um, very kind of mean, repressed Victorian uh, woman yeah. with an incredible hairdo, <laughs> uh, played by Jackie Weaver, I think. And she, uh, so these kids, they get sent out for the day uh, for St. Valentine's Day to have a picnic at Hanging Rock nearby a local attraction. It's very eerie, and what basically happens is um, four people go missing. Mm. And the rest of the movie is about the fallout from that. Um, Heather's read the book. Yes. Which is different. I'm so the only it's cultured kind of... one of the three of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, and you've actually been there too. I've yeah, been there yeah. and I've read the book, so I you went. Live to tell the story. Whereas I've only I'd only seen the movie. So when okay. we when Heather told me she was going to Hanging Rock, I was like, "Holy shit! Make sure you come back." Well, I only vaguely knew like, "Oh, there's a weird old book written about this," and I went mm. um, with kind Steve. A, actually, kind of a happy sounding title. So you wanted yeah, think Picnic at Hanging Rock. I still think it should be called Picnic Rock. I always accidentally mm-hmm. mashed that up and called Picnic Rock. I thought it was absolutely lovely when I went. It's very peaceful. The rocks are really cool. It's basically like this old volcanic rock formation in the middle of a giant field. So it's very strange looking. Um, much like our own Madison Boulder. Similar. Um, that's the, where the, our wedding photos were taken in front of, like yep. that giant rock. Yep. The really big rock. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So much like that, it's just this really weird random rock formation in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, it was wonderful when I went. It was mm-hmm. so peaceful. You could just like climb up on all the rocks and look out on the farmland. And it's just to lure you into a false sense of security. I guess yeah. so, but I came back. Maybe maybe I haven't come back. Maybe it hasn't well, maybe been me for the past. Well, maybe you the parent because you didn't buy into the parent. I didn't know about place. the parent. I didn't know about exactly. it. Exactly. So. Yeah. So the book and the experience of going there are apparently, you know, like it's a bit of a mystery. Um, but the movie also relies very heavily on the eerie music and the does. eerie, um, like, framing of the, framing of the um, camera shots as yeah. well. Yeah. Like, when you're there, it's very peaceful. It's like birds chirping. Yeah, it's and a day, yeah. It was nice. I would still recommend going there. Just don't think too much about, like, dead bodies in the, in the caves. Uh, it's directed by Peter Weir, who also did Dead Pulp Society, Gallipoli, uh, the, Truman Kimana, the Truman Show. So we looked up, he kind of focuses a bit more on what happens when people have to deal with traumatic events or crises if they themselves kind of feel either they feel isolated and dealing with isolation either yeah. in societal or physical. Um, I think the Dead Poet Society is the closest in terms of tone. I haven't seen that yeah. movie in a while, but I think that one is the closest in terms of this a little bit eerie, like something bad's going to happen kind of tone yeah. of like a group yeah. of students. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's a very different time period and different um, different type of tragedy they go mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. But I think that same a little bit eerie, sad tone yeah, like I, like when you said that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, like, mm. yeah, they set it up a lot with camera angles and like you were saying, the soundtrack and the, yeah, even just the colors and the tone, just the colors, the, yeah, the saturation and stuff. Yep, yep. Mm. Um, so we talked about last week the leftovers. Yeah, I think this book was a better version of the leftovers <laughs> in some ways. It was yeah. obviously a much more smaller focus. The leftovers was meant right. to be like the whole world, and yeah. this was something that happened just to a small town. Um, or a small region at the very least. Mm. But it, it does the same thing where it deals with the aftermath of the tragedy more than the actual situation itself. Yeah, the actual picnic scene goes by very quickly. You don't yeah. actually see the girls, you know, actually disappear, really. And same thing with the um, book. I was pretty surprised because, like, by, you know, the first, like, 50 pages of a 200-page book, yeah. like, it was, they're, gone. They, they're gone already. And yeah. then the rest of it was dealing with the aftermath. The book gets a bit more into... Uh, the elaborate details of, of lots of different people that are related to the incident. Mm-hmm. Whereas the movie, I think, skims over it a bit or focuses on, on fewer people. But but the book doesn't give any more answers than the movie does, right? Not particularly. And I actually liked that to some extent. I think mm-hmm. it did a good job of, you know... Um, spoiler alert, I don't know if anyone's actually going to watch or read this, <laughs> but um, one of the girls comes back. So you do get like a little bit of, um, are they still out there? Have they come back? Have they yeah. not come back? So mm-hmm. you get... A little bit of closure, like someone comes back. I think the real, the interesting thing about this movie is the way you, like, the emotional response you have and the fact that I think if they included some kind of solid explanation 
account of what had actually happened, it would not have had as much impact. Right. Yeah. So when the movie finishes, you just feel this kind of cold chill still, and you're not really, mm-hmm. and you speculate about what's happening. There's so many kind of symbols, like visual symbols that they throw in, yeah. like the swan. And yeah. Yeah. You know, who is Miranda really? And And I think that's why it's very unsettling. And that's why it affects the people so deeply is that there is no closure. Like, are they still out there and they just failed at finding them? Did they fail somehow in bringing them there? Like, especially with the headmistress and her, like, rapid descent into madness. Like, (laughs) um, I think the not knowing is is what is the problem in it all or why, why a lot of them have such a strong impact on, it has such a strong impact on them. So what's everyone's theory then? So reading the book, I thought, so in the book, it, it emphasizes a bit more that the three girls that go missing are the three seniors. Like they're going to be mm. leaving in just a couple months from the school. Mm. And like one of them's an heiress. One of them, her family has been traveling. She hasn't seen them in ages. Like, so in the book, I kind of thought they, that they orchestrated it, that they either did like kind of a suicide pact because they didn't want to, you know, go on with the rest of their mm. lives because they felt so uh, like stagnant like there wasn't trapped, yeah. yeah very trapped or they somehow planned an escape and like had someone come pick them up and like planned mm. an elaborate escape from this area um watching the movie they make it out to be much more supernaturally and yes. much yes. creepier um because if that were the case you would have they, they don't find anybody as right. been thoroughly searched over a period of time they can't really have been – they kind of arranged something with somebody, someone beforehand because they make a point of how isolated these girls right. are in the school. So if someone came to the school, they would know about it. And even letters and stuff. I'm sure that crazy headmistress, exactly. like, read the letters or – And the fact that one of the teachers is the fourth person to go missing. Right. Yeah. So unless they arranged it with the teacher – yeah, it's possible. But that I mean, teacher was like the most uptight, the one that didn't like the girls. It seems. I always, I'm coming back to my favorite character, who I would say is the Barb mm-hmm. of Picnic at Hanging Rock. Edith, Edith yes. <laughs> the chunky you think Edith. Sure Edith um, orchestrated well, the whole thing. A, she Maybe was, she murdered them. That was kind of what I was thinking. You're thinking she murdered them? She's like close by to all of the weird things that happen. Mm. Uh, and she claims to have no memory or no good information afterwards. And she's the only one that saw all of them as well. Correct, because she gives she tells the story about how she saw the teacher wearing no skirt mm. running up the running up the hill. Yeah. So you think Edith killed her? Mm-hmm. I think Miranda was a witch or some sort of succubus or something the whole time, like some sort of supernatural being, because mm. they all seem obsessed with Miranda to an unhealthy degree. Mm. She wasn't that beautiful. I thought Irma was, was prettier. Angelic. Um, it was just the way they framed her, I think, with the lighting and, and... But, yeah, there just seemed to be something eerie about her, and they seemed to do it on purpose, and it wasn't just like, wow, she's so nice, what a kind girl. It was a little bit creepy. Because there were, what, three or four characters who particularly obsessed and fantasized over her. Very sapphic, very very homoerotic, or... Yeah. Yeah. Um, my theory is that... I already, apparently the author herself said that in the end it was aliens, which is yeah. annoying and bullshit because who, what can't you explain it that way? Yeah. Um, I think that the way Weir kind of positions the film, the way he kind of wants you to feel it, is that the Europeans in, in the movie, they're always out of place. They're very unsettled. They don't belong there. And so, and he makes a point of showing how um, incongruous, I guess, they are with the landscape. Especially yeah. with the Colonel and Michael, the little British kid right. and every, like little British guy and everything. Like, Yeah, yeah. And how bizarre and unnatural it is that they're out there in their petticoats and <laughs> with their... Having their hot tea. The hot tea. Yeah. 
And their woolen And a string quartet. A string a break. quartet. It's very, it's kind of nonsensical. Yeah. And so to venture out, and also like there's a sense, I wrote sapphic in big yeah. letters at the begin, at the front, at the top of my page, because a lot of it is about female sexuality and young female sexuality, budding sexuality, if mm. you will. They make a huge deal of that throughout the movie. Uh, they're kind of lambs to the slaughter, so they're sort of sent out on this on St. Valentine's Day of all days. Yeah. And left out in this isolated Dangerous Dangerous spot. They're warned that it's dangerous and not to wander off. And then they do. And then the ones who kind of get a little bit caught up in the feeling of the place, they're the ones that get taken or get affected. If you don't really kind of if you go there skeptic as a skeptic you're not really affected by anything at all so but it's also interesting to note how some of the other non-young girl characters got affected as well because michael also had kind of repressed sexuality the british kid right and he gets affected by it exactly and then the the teacher teacher who's Mm -hmm. getting very hot and and bothered about (laughs) the volcanoes and eruptions and and all the clocks stop all the clocks stop at midday exactly it's called noon back home (laughs) oh really (laughs) Nobody says it. Hi, noon. Hi, noon. Um, yeah, and it happens like the same time the next day. Yeah, and... yeah. Um, so I think it's some kind of uh, the land, and and I have a feeling, a funny like feeling. reclaiming the. I, yeah, yeah, I should probably look this up. I have a feeling it might be an indigenous site for something. A lot of places like this are so sort of the land, the hostile landscape, and the people and who fighting back against fighting the colonial. Back. Yeah, basically, like they're venturing into a place, or even like rescuing about. for to some extent. Because if the yeah. girls did feel trapped, then maybe it was uh, kind of a benevolent. Yeah, no, I didn't get that feeling. No, <laughs> there are a few moments where you just kind of like, oh god, like in it. I, I, I guess even... benevolence is wrong, but I kind of think the girls may have been willing to go along. Yeah. I guess willing, mm, yeah. willing victims. That's not even the right. You know what I'm trying but to say? But it is though, because it is kind of sick like that. Yeah, like they're so repressed that they kind of just want any and and innocent they can get. and naive. They're just kind of yeah. wandering into the jaws of the unknown in their yeah. white frilly oh, like, dresses and yeah, lots of <sighs> symbolism there. Um, we were reminded of um, little a little princess as well. The same kind of yeah. vibe from the um, the school and the headmistress and yeah. stuff. Of yeah, As Sarah is the most tragic character. So Sarah is very tragic. She's the youngest. I think she's only meant to be like thirteen, mm-hmm. whereas Miranda and the girls that disappear are like seventeen and eighteen. Yeah, she's a, she's in love with Miranda basically for sure. Um, and it kind of makes it seem like it's a little bit mutual. Mm. Um, whether it's little sister or something else, but um. She has just the most tragic story. And in the book, they elaborate even more in the movie. Mm-hmm. In the movie, they leave it tragic, but um, not ambiguous. too much detail into it. A little bit ambiguous. In the book, it's quite... Once again, huge spoilers here. It's quite pronounced in the book, at least I thought, that the headmistress goes absolutely off her tra- off her chain, off her rocker, and murders this little 13-year-old girl mm-hmm. because her, like... Um, her her guardian keep, hasn't paid the bills for the school in a couple months. Yeah. And in the book, it's more tragic. They give lots more details that just makes it seem like she was actually the real victim of all of this. Mm. Like, she's the one whose life got ruined. Um, even more so, maybe, than the girls who yeah, disappeared. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. And the hero is definitely Albert. Yeah. He is also <laughs> just trivia, played by the same guy who plays the murderer in Wolf Creek. So, it's fun to see. So, maybe this was the prequel. Maybe. Yeah, because hey, he hey. does like move to Queensland, so maybe maybe now this is the prequel. Is 
I did not enjoy that movie. <laughs> I will not watch that movie. That sounds no. way too scary for me. I was scared by this movie, which there's literally no horror. It's just a bit creepy vibes. And yeah. that was scary yeah. enough for me. Both the movies we watched today, they had a lot of Australian landscape. And Definitely. the Australian landscape is beautiful, but you do get the feeling it's incredibly hostile. And it's yes. not just about bugs. You're not welcome there. Or snakes. <laughs> it's just the fact that it's so vast and yeah. you don't know where you are or how to get out if you get lost in it. So, Yeah, so... um. Yeah, I thought it was actually a pretty faithful adaptation because I just finished the book this week in time for the podcast. So what was there was very faithful. It was pretty much word for word, some of the quotes and some of the um, dialogue from it. Mm -hmm. And it kept definitely the main kind of themes of, you know, the whole butterfly effect and the repressed sexuality Mm -hmm. and all of that. Because I definitely picked that up a lot from the book as well. Some of the phrasings they Mm -hmm. used for describing the girls' relationships to each other and things like that. Yeah. but yeah, the movie was was real creepy. Had an mm-hmm. even more creepy vibe. The book is a little bit more matter of fact or pragmatic, and just kind of lays out the facts, and you can interpret it as you will. Yeah. Whereas the director for the movie definitely had a creepy supernatural vibe. He yeah. was going for. He decided he was going. And to I was it. creeped out by some of the girls' voices because, like, their yeah. their voices weren't lining up with um, how their of mouths were moving. Nineteen seventies. Hello, Miss. Yeah. Yeah. And then I did my IMDb research, and it said that some like all these actresses the young ones like were not actresses they just found them in rural Australia Mm. basically and their acting I guess was so bad (laughs) their dialogue that they dubbed them over I think with professional actors yeah you know what I suspect it is Australia has like you know how you have different accents regionally in America and Australia is kind of a time-based thing so (laughs) (laughs) still regional but mainly time-based so I think that in the early 1900s, we still sounded extremely British, and yeah. these kids from that they had playing these girls would have just been like, "Hey, miss, like, <laughs> come and have a picnic at Hanging Rock." Kind yeah, of I was going to say they would sound a bit bogany for the vibe they right. were going for the like <laughs> finishing school kind of vibe That's for the why girls. They needed the actresses to be That's like, a good hey, point. Miranda, come and have a cup of tea with me with my watchman diamonds. Yes, <laughs> Jen, when are you going to get back into acting? When we first moved here, Jen said, "I have a role oh, coming up." Um, I'm going down to an audition for this. They need some talent at the museum coming up for a shoot. Hey, hey. Could be you. You can put this in as your, like, part of your audition. Yeah, As long as they can give me Moscato beforehand, I think. (laughs) (laughs) They might frown on that at the Children's Museum, but you never know. You never know. Um, Are we ready for movie number two? Would you guys recommend it? I would recommend it, but just be warned that it's very slow paced. You have to Hmm. be in the mood to pay attention and be drawn into something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I would recommend the book as well. It is a bit slow, but it wasn't um, quite as slow or flowery or boring as I expected. I got through pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and it does give a lot more details from uh, from the story than the movie does, obviously, as usually happens. Um, but I thought it was quite good, and it gives you a lot of almost like behind-the-scenes content or like extra content yeah. or a bit of like a epilogue to let you know what happens to some of the characters that you see in the movie. Yeah. And Most of brought, it tragic. You brought up the book uh, Virgin Suicides. Yes. Jeffrey Eugenides. Definitely similar themes where there's young women doing what seems like random shit and you know you're probably not going to get any answers, but you are along for the ride anyway. there's definitely going to be some sort of tragedy and some sort of weird repressed sexuality yeah. involved as well. Um, so I think that's about it for Picnic and Hanging Rock. Yeah. Um, should we do a little booktidget sponsor? Advertisement in the middle? Sure. So go on to booktidgets.com, B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S.com. That's right. I'm going to have to get used to stop saying the double O thing. 
Yeah, Nobody says that, that back home. Ago. I like it, though. It's okay. Um, go on, create a free account, track the books that you're reading. You can add Picnic at Hanging Rock to your to-read list if mm-hmm. you'd like to get a bit of Australian culture in your life. You can take a look at Heather's reading list and see mm. 600 books she plans to read in this <laughs> lifetime. I read really fast. It could happen. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, we are going to move on to the second movie that we watched tonight. The Probably the antithesis, mm. in some ways, of the, Picnic and Hanging Rock. The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which is probably a much more well-known Australian movie than Picnic and Hanging Rock. We found that it won an Academy Award for, for costumes. costumes. I honestly thought this movie was just about, like, some random woman who just like goes through the desert so it was not i had no like absolutely no concept of what it was going to be um so it was a delightful surprise i will say my first impression of it was as there's a drag queen on screen singing hugo weaving's name comes up in the credits and i was like hugo weaving is in this spoiler alert he is the drag queen um and i had no idea he's no idea i was like oh is he australian and then he's up there like in full drag singing (laughs) or lip syncing lip syncing Guy Pierce is the other drag queen, and Terence Stamp is I was the more, transgender woman. I was more um, impressed by Terence Terence Stamp because I looked yeah. up his uh, the other things he's been in. I was like, oh shit, he was that old dude. <laughs> Do you know? I I told you guys, but I watched a documentary about the making of the movie, and it's hosted by um, Terence Stamp. And interestingly, he thought he was really poorly cast. He was extremely uncomfortable in the role. He didn't know how he was going to portray a transgender woman, hmm. and he thought that his entire thing was a failure until he went and saw the premiere and the response to it. So it's it's an interesting... And he still, I think, had problems. I suspect that one of the problems he had with it was that when he was rehearsing, he kind of found it hard to let go of his, masculine, or his perception of his masculinity. Yeah. Um, but see, I think that led to the role. I think the, the character is uncomfortable. about Benedict, I yeah. think the character is uncomfortable and she the, the best thing about her is how she tries to overcome that discomfort with yeah. the kind of where she fits in with society but I think she's always the teeny bit insecure about oh, yeah. and, and I think that maybe what he thought didn't come across will actually fit in perfectly with the yeah. character mm-hmm. yeah. that he was playing. Yeah, I agree. It just happened to be... That extra like yeah. vulnerability or insecurity was actually fit really well. So we should probably give it some yes, we're like getting into the... Um, so you have Anthony, who is Hugo Weaving. His nickname is what's his drag name? Tick. Oh no, they call no him... Tick is his nickname because yeah. it's Anthony, and Mitzi? his Mitzi is okay. his drag name. Um, so Mitzi and Felicia, who is Guy Pierce, they're performing in Sydney. It starts in Sydney, and then uh, Tick gets a call from Alice Springs uh, from a mystery woman saying, "Can you please come out and do a show for two weeks or four weeks or something?" Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, okay." Um, cut to Bernadette. Who's well, we just... need to probably give some geographical context for oh, people yeah. who don't know where Alice. Oh yeah, Alice Springs is. Um, if you know where Ayers Rock is, it's not that close there, but vaguely. It's probably the the closest big city to the, it. The central well, large town. <laughs> <laughs> what you picture, what you people listening picture of Australia, that's where Alice the Springs Outback, is. Outback yeah. Steakhouse. The Red Center. <laughs> um. And, and we all know where Sydney is, roughly. Sure. And most of. people don't drive to no. Alice Springs. No, you fly, right? <laughs> so instead of doing a sensible thing and flying out there, Mitzi decides she needs a bit of time to think things over because there's some kind of mystery in the plot hanging And they also there. just like lost a friend. There was some grieving Yeah, so on. Bernadette lost her husband. I don't know if you guys got oh. that at the beginning. Her husband died. Trumpet. Got Trumpet, it. yeah. Got Young it. guy. 
Um, so she needed to get away. And then Felicia, who is incredibly irreverent, yeah. loud, annoying, hypersexual. <laughs> like stereotype of a gay man, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, he comes along for the ride because he's a good friend of Mitzi's. And because he has rich parents. And he has rich parents. <laughs> so he manages to buy for 10 grand this uh, converted school bus from, what was it? A Swedish couple by the name of Lars, Lars, and Lars. <laughs> and they fucking deck it out. It's yeah, got they like do. vanities, like a costume design, a literally a sewing machine, yeah, like a full stocked bar. They had a lot of costumes in there, but the show they end up doing that has a lot of complex. Yeah. There's lots of sequins. Yes, hence the uh, Academy Award. Lots of fucking ABBA. They had the sewing yeah. machine working from the, the engine plug-in, I guess? Yeah. I suppose. Yeah, there's no Maybe one that's the why they broke down. So yeah, seriously. <laughs> they were making cocktails and sewing costumes yeah, yeah. instead of running the engine. Not to mention the roof charades that they have going yes. on. So. Oh, yeah. So they kind of, they decide they're going to drive this. Um, Make it an adventure. Yeah, uh, to Alice Springs. And they stop by Broken Hill along the way, which is kind of, oh, fuck. Which is featured in Lexicon. One we of the thought it was a made-up town about. when we first Broken read it. Hill, it's a real place, yeah. Yeah, there's a book by a Melbourne author, Lexicon, and there's a ridiculous thing that goes down in Broken Hill, and I always just pictured it as, like, a very sad, tiny little <laughs> town. It seems like a decently large town. No, I mean it's there was like a downtown. Yeah, there's this a downtown. This is Jen saying this from Perth. So. Like I know, I'm just saying. Is... I pictured like a pub. We've been to some small towns here where there's like mm. a pub. Yeah, so this like one a has post like office and that's it. Two pubs, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've never been there, but my my dad used to go there quite a lot. When okay, no, about twenty years ago when I was a kid. So who knows now? It's probably a bustling metropolis. Um, <laughs> And then they go out to Cooper Petey, which uh, I still th- thought was a fake place. I thought you were saying Cooper PD, like a police department. No, <laughs> Cooper Petey, um, which is a... I feel like I should be like, Gazunta. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's an opal mining town and a lot of the I buildings are underground, so they stay cool during the day. Um, and then on to Alice. There's some problematic bits throughout the movie, um... Mainly, I think, because of the age of it. It was made, I think, in the early Mm -hmm. mid-90s. And a lot of the... The guy who wrote it, or at least who co-wrote it, he was part of the Australian-Sydney drag scene at the time, which was, um, like, huge, you know, but still quite underground as well. And in the documentary I watched, it was also at the same time where um, lots of gay men were still being bashed to death on the streets of Sydney. So it's quite revolutionary when it came out, this movie, because it speaks a lot about um, attitudes towards people in, in the drag and gay community in Australia. Yeah, that's the biggest it's thing. particular like, to Australia, I think, in many yeah. ways. But it's the biggest thing throughout the movie is it's basically just a series of them either purposely taking their act or just being themselves yeah. around different types of people in different um, regional, mm. different people from different regions, and seeing how what their reaction that's is right. in Sometimes they're applauded, sometimes they're beat up, sometimes yeah. it's somewhere in the middle, like, mm. grudging acceptance. It's still acceptance. very funny as well. I think, yeah, like, it is. It's, it's not a tragic movie to watch, and it has a lot of, like, really great heartwarming moments. And um, some very quotable lines as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just what this country needs, a cock on a fro- in a frock on, on a, a rock. rock. I still like the cake line. What's the cake? You've left your cake out in the rain. Oh, Bernice. You've left your cake out in the rain. I think it's that. And there's the... What was the other one where he gets, um... Where Better Jet gets uh, hassled by the woman in Broken Hill. She says, I think. Oh, just. Uh, Why don't you take light your tampon and fire and blow it up because it's the only bang you're going to get? <laughs> it's a yeah. good one. <laughs> yeah. 
It's a good insult. <laughs> it's a really good insult. It's, it's like layered. It's mm-hmm. it's like it's not it's not just a quick the no, C word. It's no. yeah. Oh Felicia, where the fuck are we? <laughs> <laughs> Felicia, that's how they say it. Drove me crazy. Um, but yeah, and then there's the other. So they they use the word tranny occasionally, um, mm. and then they also use a, a stereotypical Asian woman in the middle of the that movie was the, as well. really the only part that made cringy me part. really cringy, really mm. uncomfortable. And it wasn't even the her little um, act that she did in the bar. That part I'm kind of fine with because I. That really does yeah, happen. That does happen. And I'm kind of okay with that, especially because it was in contrast to the drag act. Yeah, she does a sex show essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just really didn't like her over the top fake like, accent. It, it sounded. I cook for you, I clean for you kind of. It sounded like um, a white person making fun of a, an Asian, Asian accent. Yeah. And that's what made me uncomfortable. Like, that cannot be her real accent. No, I don't think so. Like, or at least not in that shrill tone. No. Um, so that's what made me uncomfortable. And the part where she was like trying to get into the cabinet. And you thought it was going to be booze and it was ping pong balls. Like, yeah. And she goes into this weird, like, rage that's seen as, it, portrayed as very racist. Yeah. It, yeah. It well, is. she's just kind of portrayed as less than human, almost. Mm. Like, she can't resist her baser instincts yeah, or something. Yeah, which is to pop ping, ping pong balls out of a badge in front of a bunch of <laughs> yes. guys. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was the only part that made me uncomfortable. Some of the yeah. other parts are definitely a bit behind the times with yeah. LGBT acceptance at this point. Mm-hmm. But it was an older movie, and I'm sure some of the older drag queens and older people in the gay community still probably have some of those shitty... um, Those shitty opinions on types of things like that. But yeah, that was the racist things were the thing that made me a bit yeah. cringy, and a bit uncomfortable. Do you know, it's it's probably a good kind of illustration of Australian society where we think we're not actually that bad and, oh, it's just a laugh, but it's actually quite offensive. I usually call it good old Aussie racism. Yeah, Because exactly. nobody thinks There's that any malice behind There's it. no malice behind it. They're yeah. like, everybody knows I'm joking, but you're still perpetuating the, the harmful stereotypes. Of course. Even if you think you're quote-unquote joking, Yeah. someone else might not know you're joking. You're going to repeat that. Yeah. So good and it old, is good repeated. If you yeah. like the amount of times ping pong balls and wink wink nudge nudge is it like ha- people laugh about it, and they're not, of course, the type of people who would be amongst the LGBTQ right. community either. They're yeah. usually bogans. Yeah, and it's and they have to laugh movie. about it, and they think and they think, oh well, it's true, so it can't be offensive. And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and no. it's like, well, did you think about the other themes in this movie? Like, it's yeah. just a very small part of it. So, do I need to feel guilty for thinking that they were very poor performers? I think no, that was a little bit part of the joke. Of yeah, <laughs> like I wanted them to succeed, but at the same time, I was saying. I would not pay to see these people lip sync and, and barely I'd dance. I'd have to be really drunk. I have seen a really good drag cabaret in New York City for a bachelorette party, mm-hmm. and it was actually amazing. It was really, really good. But it and wasn't... What's the allure of it supposed to be? The costumes? The, the whole, costumes. Yeah. And that they're just very good entertainers, which is these guys weren't really. No. They were just kind of up there lip syncing, and they weren't <laughs> really that intimate, it didn't seem like. No. Well, I think, you know, like Terrence Stamp's reluctance and his nervousness, I think that came across a lot when he was doing the lip yeah. syncing. Yeah. Because he was really out of time, like, etc. I do, like, if, if and when you watch other Australian movies from the period, time period, Muriel's Wedding, I hate Ugh. it, but sure. Hate um, the Castle, which most people outside of Australia probably wouldn't get the cultural references and jokes, but a lot of the themes in Australian cinema and TV, especially from the 90s, it's kind of about how we're not polished and quite grassroots. And yeah. part of the joke is, like, we're trying our best, but we're not... But your best isn't, when, isn't actually that good. Right. That's and the quote from the girls. Like, like it's, they're yeah. just average 
drag queens. Like yeah. they're just they're not the stars. It's just like their of, job. They're not the it's best. It's their, their job. job. Yeah. And they love it and they're doing it because they enjoy it. And they're hired by this little old uh casino out in Alice Springs. It's not yeah. the best casino in Alice Springs. It's very much like you know, I guess if this movie were made in America, it would be made using, you know... Last it would be like years. Foxwood Casino. It would be like the Connecticut little right. tiny casino. It would not be Vegas. It's last year's drag drag race winners doing yeah. it as well. Like, mm-hmm. it, whereas... It's the people got voted off the drag, drag exactly. race is what it would be. Whereas it's, in Australia, it's just, you know, a couple of drag queens who do an act every Sunday and they yeah. get paid for it occasionally, but one of them has to make her money selling face, face creams and, you know... Yes. Um, you have been watching... RuPaul's Drag Race pretty obsessively oh, lately. Yeah. Did that change your viewing of the movie this time at all? Or, like, did you have any different thoughts on it from watching that recently? Uh, not different. I guess it gave me, um, a kind of more of a context. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that did strike me were the problematic issues. Things like saying the word tranny. Yeah. And, um, how drag queens talk to each other. Uh, it's... Like, I'm a cisgender woman. I don't do drag shows. I'm heterosexual, but I have a lot of people who are close to me who are within that community. So that's my perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to be Andrew Garfield and say I'm a gay man, except <laughs> without the act, just because I've watched all of RuPaul's Seriously, Drag Race. Come on. <laughs> come on, guy. Fucking idiot. Um, but I He's have. He's just noticed... jealous of the new Spider Man. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, things like, for example, in the earlier seasons of RuPaul, there was a segment called uh, She Male. And she's done a song, I don't know what it's called, but it, one of the main lyrics is um, Tranny. Yeah. And it's changed now because people have responded saying, don't like it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and there have been transgender women who have competed on the show as well. Uh, one of them last season did extremely well too. She was the runner-up. So I think that times change. And I think as well possibly there are terms that are used within the gay community and the drag community in a different way than they are used amongst straight people and yeah. cisgender people. And so it's still offensive, but it's from a different... Right, it's... It, yeah, it's... Well, I thought I read a few months ago that actually Australia is responsible for the term training because you guys love to abbreviate I would everything. not be surprised by that. I'm pretty that. sure that that's where it came yeah. from. I would not be surprised by that, actually. Yeah. And in some of the reactions of the locals in the movie, I would not be surprised as to mm. how that very quickly turned into a derogatory t- term right. as well. Well, even recently, what, a year, maybe eight months ago, one of our breakfast show hosts, Carl Stefanovic, he uses he used the word tranny in a morning TV show and then mm-hmm. had this huge outcry and he actually did quite a genuine heartfelt apology but it was basically oh I didn't know and it's kind of like <laughs> yeah once again this is Australia it's willful ignorance about yeah. things that we really should know better it's about. if nobody actually like sits you down and like mm-hmm. looks in your eyes and says you can't use this exactly and even if they do they're not going to believe you half the time anyway. Yeah, like, oh, well, you know, I didn't mean anything. Yeah. It's just, oh, what's the harm? It's shortening the word. Yeah. Everybody I knows I don't say... believe. Everybody knows I'm not racist. Everybody exactly. knows I'm not whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so it's a very fun movie. <laughs> It I think it's worth fun. a watch. Definitely. Um, it also reminded me of The Birdcage as well. A bit. Yeah. Lakasha Foles. What's the yep. Yep. French yep. name of it? Yeah. Uh, it's a play, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, it had some, some of those kind, same kind of themes as well. Yeah. And it was based on uh, the writer of the of the movie, uh, a newer drag queen who had a son, um, mm. and the kind of issues he had, maybe all the concerns, uh, unwarranted concerns. It turns out he had in kind of express, uh, explaining to his son what he did as a 
in his profession and his son was entirely you know yeah, that probably embracing his son was so the cutest part of the movie yeah. and his son yeah. and like uh, Uncle Felicia that was like yeah. my favorite part the two that of them was, was really cute like Felicia was trying to like stir the shit yeah. and the kid was just like does daddy have a boyfriend it's great like yeah. <laughs> no Felicia's problems like, about it oh okay let's go play Lego I also, play Lego. I also loved how they did like five second flashbacks like when they started doing yeah. that I was like oh god they're gonna build up all these characters and constantly flashback to every pivotal yeah. moment in their life and they like took the piss out of it they flipped them too because every time you think like oh this is gonna be a bad flashback it was like nope <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Why do you plural math and singularize Lego? Math- mathematics? Maths and Lego. That's a good question. Answer. For us, it'd be math and Legos. I know, because you have mathematics. I guess. Yeah, people have argued with me about that one. And but just Lego. And it's Lego one Lego. Brand. Yes, but you're playing and with the so Lego bricks. You wouldn't say doll, I'm going to go play yeah, with if, my doll. If I were to say I want to play with one singular Lego brick, I would say, here's my Lego brick. <laughs> Whereas Lego is the collective term for I'm going to, it's like I'm going going to play Connect Four. I guess. Oh, I'm going to play uh, Monopoly. We're solving. We're solving major major issues. I'm going to play on this Scrabbles podcast. Um. So yeah, I would recommend that if you want a kind of a fun movie, it's got some definitely good Aussie accents, Aussie oh, slang. Yeah. Yeah. You won't understand half of it probably, but in a fun no. way. Yeah. Well, what, what bits didn't you understand? Oh man, a lot of the terms. <laughs> really? A lot of Could the terms. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I didn't understand half the town names they were saying, but just some of the, the phrases that they were saying. Did you like, write me down or translate No, of course you. I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I guess like, in context or like having been here long enough, mm-hmm. I know what they're saying, but some of them I was like, oh, oh, that term. Like, I don't know. Just oh, especially chukas. some insults. Chukas. That was a toast. Um, and just like some of the insults I threw at each other as well. Um, oh, I was wondering why I was laughing in those bits and you guys weren't. Maybe that's why. <laughs> it was because of, kind of, because I was going, oh, what? Yeah, I think I don't know what that means. Yeah. And you're over there having a laugh about it. So. <laughs> um, it's a good yeah. microcosm of some uh, nice weird Aussie slang and stuff. Absolutely. And you will never be able to watch Lord of the Rings the same way again. You'll never be able to take Elrond seriously. Or The Matrix. See, I'd seen Priscilla before I'd seen either of those movies, so it was beautiful to see uh, Flick get some airtime after this. (laughs) Um, Upcoming things. Did you prepare any upcoming things that you're looking forward to, Jen? I'll give you a second to think I have some. Oh, shit. This is a bit more of an update from a previous podcast but the lion the live action lion king oh, we've yes. read up a few times did you see who's They're... gonna be zazu yes john oliver. john oliver okay i think that'll be pretty good because he's annoying and zazu's <laughs> going to be annoying yeah so i saw that that'd and be the good. other news was that aladdin they're having difficulty casting mm-hmm. the two lead roles yes which i, I heard someone... there was a whole twitter thing yeah, about it there I was a whole the twitter, twitter thing about it but the people on twitter that were getting outraged were also being just as racist yeah because they're like cast an indian actor and they're like uh guys it's set in the middle yeah East. different so they were like <laughs> what about bollywood you guys are so dumb and it's like uh you're also dumb yeah. that's yeah. thousands of miles apart i did see <laughs> quite a good one which was it's nice to see disney are pretending to look for a middle at least an actor before they cast Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yep. Oh, Pretty dear. much. And they're like an, an Emma Stone will be Jasmine. Mm. And that's like La La Land. But I'm yep. Yep. Um, <sighs> what else did I have? Um, a Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. Uh, did you ever read those book series? No, it rings a bell though. You probably Madeline did. Madeline Langle. Langle. Um, sh- I no was really liked those as a kid. Um, they have a really weird blend of science and religion. Mm-hmm. Read them back a couple years ago. Uh, I did not. They did not hold up very well. I didn't think. Okay. Um, 
the they pushed the religion more than I remember as a kid. Oh, it's like same, rereading Narnia. Yes, I was just gonna <laughs> yeah. say that it's that same kind of thing when you where when you're as a kid you don't quite Aslan's Jesus what <laughs> you don't quite get that um, as a kid and you read it back and you're like what uh, that was these books as well a little bit when I was I remember as a kid being more about oh the siblings and they go like travel through space and then mm. there's like a lot of physics and stuff and reading it back I was just like it's all religion mm. um it's been like the Which third book in the series is literally just Noah's Ark like oh, rewritten yeah uh so what's I the, so much what's coming out. Oh, okay um and it has there's three like witches slash like magical scientists I don't know. And they are played by Reese Witherspoon, Oprah, and Mindy Kaling. Okay. Um, and then... Walked I, into a bar. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and um, I, I will probably just see it just because Chris Pine is the hot dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. And he has a really hot dad beard in it as well. Okay. Um, hot dad beard? Yeah, that's like a thing. Yeah, see, like, it is a thing. It, it, it doesn't always work for me, but with Chris Pine... I'll, I'll, you hate my beard. Chris Pine's is a little bit better than yours oh, at the moment. I'm sorry. Shit, man, that's rough. Um, mm. He gets paid a lot more than you do <laughs> to grow that beard. Um, so I will see it. I'm just very interested to see if they're going to ruin it. Like they ruined a golden compass when they mm. tried to convert that because they just took all of the religion out of it because yeah, they didn't want to offend people. have difficulty... You either get it really right with Lord of the Rings or they fuck it up. Because there's such huge undertakings and they have such a huge fan base. And I think a lot of times the reason they fuck it up is because they're really nervous about offending mm. any of Christian America <laughs> and all of their money. Oh. So I think uh, that's sometimes the problem is they don't know how to find that balance between staying true to the text and some of the symbolism and undertones in the text without having like Christian mommy groups cry oh, about why it. Why do we care about these people still? I mean, they're the reason Trump got elected. <sighs> Can't we just tell them to fuck off already? I don't know. I don't think they take, take that Sorry. Um, Whatever. Jen's sorry. not moving to America. Not sorry. sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Um, Teen Wolf is coming back. It's one of oh, my guilty Lord. pleasure shows that I really, don't really feel that guilty about. Mm. It's the last half of the last season ever, though, so you I'll promise. be able to finish it up and get through with it. I walked through a few episodes of the last one, and they were... Yeah, it's getting a bit rough. Bit. It's yeah. getting a bit rough. Um, yeah, the first couple seasons, they at least had cohesive arcs, and the last ones have been rough. Mm-hmm. Um, Game of Thrones is also back tomorrow. Thank God. Is it really? Gosh, that went Are quick. you caught up? Have you been watching yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember if you... I think one of the times you <laughs> have been a bit behind on it, no? I accidentally spoiled it. I spoiled the Jon Snow spoiler at the end mm. of the... For someone who hadn't... He was like, but... oh, I've been reading the books. And I thought he said, oh, I've read the books. And I was like, oh, well, I won't have to worry about the spoiler then when... Well, the TV show passes the books. That's your problem. The TV show has gone past the books now. So some of the things that happened in the last season, a lot of them actually have not happened in the books yet. No, I know. So I know people that have purposely not been watching the TV show because they don't want to be spoiled for the books. Which generally I'm like that, but I don't care enough about these books because they're depressing as fuck. And I yeah. want to keep, I'll get to spoiled. I want to keep, I'd rather Look, watch it and be spoiled in the episode than I've be spoiled kind of, on fucking Twitter. I've kind of lost my anger when it comes to spoilers now. Like, I just don't, I don't think I give a shit much anymore. Like, I, in fact, if I know I won't have time to watch something, like, I have no intention of watching, you know, seasons three and four and whatever of yeah. uh, Orange is the New Black. So just read what happens in them. Oh, don't tell me. I haven't even watched this current season yeah don't mind and if i watch it i watch it and it'll still be it depends good. on if i care about it and it depends on what type of show it is yeah 
Yeah. If it's like Brooklyn Nine Nine, it's like well, it's like a sitcom, like episodic one. Who cares? I was upset about Wonder Woman that I got spoiled about that though. Yeah. 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 Did you Did you listen to our podcast when I talked about the Kingsman movie? <gasps> no. I finally watched it. Oh, oh good. But so be... violent. Why didn't you warn but me? It's, funny it's horrifically violent. It's so funny. horrifically like slow mo. Colin Firth is funny, but it was also so gory. And I was not was prepared it? for that. So gory. So gory. Yeah, well, I'm from Perth, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's just every day. That's just a Tuesday afternoon. Um, and this is totally different, totally separate. Backstreet Boys World Tour 2018. Yeah. All right. They let them out of Las Vegas and put them <laughs> back on the bus. So Emily and I are going to go, hopefully. It'll be, they're going to be old and it's going to be sad, but we'll just get drunk and it'll be funny. Okay. so I'm excited for it and the last one I have one book thing for this week yeah um Ash and Quilt the Ink and Bone book that I'm yeah. gonna make you read sometime I have the sequel like sitting on the table over there and haven't read it, it yet yeah. the third book is yeah, did it just come out or is coming out so I need to like get my shit together and read that huge stack of books mm. very soon so okay. I can get the third one did cool. you have any upcoming ones uh we said we might go see dunkirk next week yes. is it coming out January u.s and australia at the same time uh i think so because it's meant to be this big deal release because of the mm. way he's done the film the best story i read this week was that christopher nolan didn't know who harry styles was when he <laughs> asked him, and i guess his daughter was like uh Gives dad you line. just hired like the heartthrob yeah, he had no idea. That's amazing. He's he's in there for like two seconds in the trailer, so we'll see how long how much he's actually yeah, I think in the movie. Role, I didn't even notice him actually. Um, so we'll it. hopefully be seeing that next week. So yeah. yeah, maybe next time we podcast weeks from now, we'll be able to talk mm-hmm. about that, but not mm-hmm. with Jen. No, we'll have no. to be our like foreign correspondent. Yeah. I was wondering how that could be possible. Or Jen can spin off into her own podcast. I have to learn how to use a computer properly. <laughs> So we are going to be taking a break from podcasting hiatus. probably about a month or so hiatus. So this very long episode, this, this was is our season longest one. so far. This is the finale of season one. Okay. Or this could just be like our mid-season break mid-season like they do sometimes. Break. Mid-season break. So, um, we did 14 episodes. That's like a quarter of the year. That's a lot. That's a full season. season of some TV shows. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have this episode up for you guys very soon and I'll post as many of the links as I can remember on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um and thanks for being on again, Jen. By popular demands, woo! You're yeah. our most popular uh, guest host. One is for my ego. I listened to myself back for the last time, and I was like, "Who didn't? Who? Why did no one tell me I sounded so much like a basic bitch?" <laughs> <laughs> why do you think we love? Well, you know, I can actually do the basic bitch voice if you want me to, so my comfort is annoying. that would be annoying. That bad. That would be annoying. Yeah. I was just saying to someone at work that every Hufflepuffs needs a Slytherin friend to balance them out, so... Yeah, I mean, we are here for everyone. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's the Slytherin motto. The opposite of the Slytherin motto. And also to try to kill you, probably. Except the Slytherin motto is we're here for people that we like. Everyone else can fuck off. Well, I mean that was the subtext. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So signing off from Australia. Yeah. Our last podcast from Australia, and we'll see you guys back in the stage. Cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Cool Yeah>. <laughs>